The magic of networking, creating today the version of tomorrow. Better, faster, more efficient, more radical. If it's different, it's World Web Forum. Dear audience, my name is Ludmila Deer. I'm the Managing Director of Elite Experts Conferences, and I would like to welcome you to the next episode of the Elite Experts Conferences podcast. Whether at live events or in the digital world, we bring together cool, promising tech startups with exciting, innovative global players and generate a platform where the world of sustainable technology meets. Get to know the different companies, but also the inspiring leader personalities behind these brand names. Our motto is towards a better and cleaner future through knowledge transfer and technology. Let me welcome our guests in today's episode. It's Fabian Hediger. Fabian is co-founder and CEO of World Web Forum and co-founder and president of the board of directors of Bcom. Even though the World Web Forum is globally so well known, I will explain what it is actually known for. You bring together all the top executives from the different technological fields, all of whom are involved in digitalization, software development, modern, bold, disruptive business models. In order to give our audience an impression of this, I will mention a few names. Among the speakers were Apple co-founder Steve Wozniak, John Scully, who was CEO of Apple for 10 years, Claude Selweger, Director of Design at Google, Sascha Zahnd, at this time VP Global Supply Chain at Tesla, Joschka Fischer, the former German Foreign Minister and Vice Chancellor, Glenn Gore, Chief Architect at Amazon Web Services, Mark Thompson, CEO Coach of Steve Jobs and Richard Branson, and many, many more. And now regarding Beacom. Beacom has developed the GSU Automation Suite for Jira Workflows. Jira is a software produced by tech giant Atlassian, and Beacom has created an app to automate Jira's workflows. With over 18,000 active installations, Your application is one of the most used applications in the ecosystem of Atlassian. Bcom's core GSU application supports companies like Cisco, Facebook, Tesla, and many, many more. Usually we have technical topics in our podcast. Sometimes we present new technologies that are mainly intended for the automotive world. Sometimes we have visionary guests from the automotive industry, and everything is about a better and more sustainable future. Today, it's a little bit different. Let's talk about developments and trends in technology-driven industries, about sustainability in business models and networks, about visions and high meaning of change, about reinterpretation of business in times of crisis, about leadership and about courage. Even if you are an entrepreneur with experience today, become is now 20 years old, your path began quite unusually. After graduating from high school and record school, you dedicated three years to triathlon sports. One could have almost assumed that you would strive for a career in triathlon. After that, you organized house parties, among other things, and participated in them. Was that the lightness of being young or did you not know what you wanted to do in the end? And then came the study of economics at the University of St. Gallen in Switzerland. Was it the first time you realized that you wanted to be an entrepreneur? Or when did this insight come to you? Yeah, that was not something that was planned or 
that I explicitly realized that I'm an entrepreneur. The way I grew up, my parents were kind of hippies. That both were then in the 70s, we moved around a lot because my father was an architect. And back then, it was hard for them to find a job because it was the, the crisis of the uh, uh, real estate. And then they ended up as public workers, officials. My mother was working for in a school and my father was leading the projects for the canton for the state to build uh, hospitals. So, and they bo both are left-wing and that was not a topic at home. So be becoming an entrepreneur or doing business or money, that was kind of, was not an issue. It was just about uh, being together and having, going to the forest and do barbecues and all that stuff. But when I, you know, when I was preparing for, for this interview, I just realized that early on when I was young, I started organizing parties always with, with a friend and then also with an older friend. It depends a little bit in what school I went, but in all those steps, I was organizing parties and I just did that because I don't know, it was fun. And, and then suddenly, yes, uh, money came into the game and that just happened. And till today, it's, it still kind of feels the same to me. So there's no official, you know, being aware of being an entrepreneur or having a DNA of an entrepreneur. Yeah, that was just not, and never was a topic. When I finished my studies, it was never a plan that I become an entrepreneur. And of course, it has to do with the internet because we just realized that my study ended in 80, uh, 98 for, for Switzerland. I was an early stage uh, with the internet still. Um, and it was something that is, was, was, uh, was in a niche still. Yeah. We just believed in, in this new technology. And we said, let's, when we want to start something, then let's start, start it now. And yeah. So we just did it. Interesting that your start in business was not predefined by family and DNA. Let me quote a sentence from your website. Here it is. Becom's history is a long tale of resilience that is the source of inspiration to businesses who aspire for incessant innovation and sustained success. Would you like to share with us the challenges that you had to go through as a company and as a personality? What advice would you give to young startup founders today? When we founded the company in the year 2000, we are born, the company is born uh, 9-11-2000. So when we passed the first year, that was very important for us. That was the first mission just to survive the first year. So when we wanted to celebrate this first birthday, we all know, you know, around noon, 9-11 in New York happened. Yeah, that was the first shock for the whole company and the whole economy. And we basically went bankrupt. Then we started, we, you know, we survived. Then the bubble burst, the internet bubble burst, and we were fully focused on internet. So everybody was saying, hey, we told you, you know, that's not going to work, work out. And yeah, we again had to struggle with this situation. A few years later, our office burned down. We again lost everything. And yeah, this way, we just were forced to re-innovate ourselves. We were forced to do that. We just learned that there's a plan, but that will never happen. Yeah, this way we also started organically to think in uh, scenarios. And this is what I can, as a, an idea for young entrepreneurs, is it's always good to have a plan, 
but be aware of that this plan will most likely never happen. Yeah, be open to just always these options. And, and when we do scenarios, we really go into this role. So we then really try to identify with this scenario. This can be negative. This can be positive. It can be totally out of the box, but it's like a role play. And this is also fun. And it helps the brain to jump in other perspectives. And the better you are top on these perspectives, the more flexible you can react on um, what's coming. In a nutshell, it's scenarios. 9-11, internet bubble burst, your office burned down. That is quite a list of challenges. You have started from scratch several times. Are there any challenges that still shock you? Or do you have the feeling that you and your team can master everything? Oh, well, I'm, I'm pretty confident in general, but of course things shock me again and again. But I'm confident in the team and in ourselves as an organization that we can, that's true, that we can solve any problem that occurs. So, no, yeah, we, I'm very confident in, in the team that, is, that has been built on all these experiences. What vision do you pursue today with your work at Becom? What higher purpose, what mission is behind it? Yeah, it's a, the radical change. We believe in this radical change. The vision or the mission is a core element to develop strategies, right? You know, at least, I, I don't know, every three months, we basically discuss our vision and mission, and we often go top down. But nevertheless, I think it's not, you're not supposed to over um, estimate this, this vision and this mission, especially when you start a company, because it's much more important that you just try and do something. And on the way there, basically, you know, establish your proof of concept of your company and then also getting on the next level. I think it's important that you just like also that your instinct leads you and your team. And then in parallel, again and again, work on your vision and mission. And yes, I still, because again, this probably has to do with, with this Generation X thing. Often I... Then in myself, you know, a voice tells me when I read about the vision of another company, I, I think that's too moralistic to me. So this is also, of course, I can feel that it's probably a, a dispute or a discussion that has to be led as entrepreneurs. How strong does it make sense as an entrepreneur to become political or to, to be more, you know, have this moral thing? behind the, the company and that also makes the company having sometimes you feel like you have to have a bad feeling because you're making money and i think that's that's much bullshit honestly frankly because comp being entrepreneur and, and having building a company is like sports and when you do sports football your goal is to win the game again again there always new games sometimes you lose sometimes it's it's even And, but the goal is still that you win, that you become the best somehow. And I see it being entrepreneur and having uh, building companies. I see this analogy. I, I see, it, I, I'm very close to this analogy. And when you, of course, then you become a bigger company like Apple or Facebook, then it becomes an issue. You have to, you basically be forced into the politics and in this moral conflict. But when you're a startup, I think you better just, in the beginning, to build your company, 
you really have to focus on having fun, listen to your instinct, and yes, to make profit, sustainable profit with the company. And in parallel, you know, mirror the, the vision and the mission, but I would not over overestimate this. As idealistic as some entrepreneurial beginnings are, as much attention is paid to the why, to the right corporate culture, as difficult it all becomes to implement as the company grows steadily. What is your experience of how to scale visions and higher meaning? That's very hard that you achieve that. Probably it's, it's not, not possible, to be honest, because it's not possible to have the perfect team. You know, you always have a mixed team. There's always the, the weakest in the team. And you know this saying that you're just as strong as your weakest element in the team. And, you know, it's always a way to optimize that. One thing that really helps is that you include certain people to develop this vision, develop your company or team mission. Again, I mean, in a daily base, things go wrong. There will be stress. And again and again, you just fall back into this daily business and, and hence also just don't think or even uh, forget about to follow this mission. So you have to again and again remember yourself why you're doing this. It's a contradiction. And I have no recipe to, to solve that. Very reasonable. I have never met a CEO who said that scaling is easy. Now let's move on to the topic of disruption. Disruption of business models or even of whole industries is very present in our time. Let's take a look at the automotive industry, which I'm familiar with. And there we have perfect examples of how modern software solutions and excellent know-how can create a huge advantage over the competition. We don't even have to mention names and everyone knows what we are talking about. Since you are also active in software development and you as a company, you are always reinventing yourself, also offering creative customer solutions. What do you think are the main ingredients to be successful in deep tech areas today? It's leadership. If you have the wrong leader, you will fail. The, or the, the, the wrong leaders. But in the end, I believe in strong leadership. Or in other terms... When I compare the most successful companies, they always have very strong leaders. Now, probably the follow-up question is what means strong. The way we try to do it based on our experiences, it's crucial that you have an ongoing process of developing your strategy. So we again, with the mission and the vision, and mirror that with the, with the daily business, and make sure that the team walks in the same direction, that people know so we, why are we doing this, It's hard work. It helps. When we compare this with the soccer team, it helps when you train hard. It helps when you train harder than your competitors. Well, all of that, you know, will not work out if the culture is not in place. Core element of this culture to me is that basically the whole team wants to win the game. Even when we cannot predict the future, which fundamental trends do you currently see in the area of software development and digitalization? It's cloud. Behind this in cloud is that everything gets more monopolized. So we have, for instance, AWS. In the end, there will just be like one big platform and then one or two competitors, like always on the internet. Then we basically develop 
our software, our cloud-driven software, on one of these platforms. These platforms get more advanced and easy to code. When you compare building a software with Java code from the whole stack that you have to manage, it's getting much more easy when you're on, for instance, AWS. Inclusive, the whole analytics and to manage to manage the systems, it's getting much faster for, for all of us. The competition gets harder. That's where I see the software development. Sometimes it is unexpected factors that have a fundamental impact on business life and ultimately on life itself. This year pandemic, for example. No matter what one thinks about it, one cannot deny the changes in business life that the pandemic brought. And I need really to emphasize that I talk now about business life only, and the changes here are by far not all negative. How has your business at Bcom changed, and where do we see good trends, positive changes, new opportunities? Let's look at the bright side of life. Well, COVID to our business was just positive. It accelerated what we tried to anticipate in our strategy over basically the last 20 years. And basically on the World War Forum, we always try to talk about these issues, about these strategies. And COVID now, simply spoken, just uh, accelerated what was obvious. The world will go online and software will eat everything that's happening now. And I think also what you can see very well, it was like the real business. And additionally, there was a little bit, of course, growing online stuff. And now it turns around. Online is taking over and the, the real business becomes just secondary. And where is the journey in event industry heading? Which new event concepts do you think have a future? People like to come together. That's why there are parties. That's why, you know, when the weather is nice, there are so many people at the lake or at the river having, having fun. But this is not a contradiction. So also for events, I think it's the same situation that now online becomes first. And the event is just like an add-on. We will definitely see it as we are both involved in the event industry. How did you feel about this special time between mid-March and May this year? On the one hand, as an entrepreneur and on the other hand, as an individual, how well did business management work when you could have so little physical presence? Is remote working generally a hot topic for you in the company? I mean, not only in this special year. Frankly, I'm uh, like old school a little bit. And I was thinking that working from home is for lazy people. And uh, I ended up very rarely I was working from home. COVID just taught me that this is basically more efficient. And also there, I think it's going to be a combination. We will never go back where we were before. And you started applying this? Yes. It, it, you know, um, like always, you have to trust. And like always, in the end, as a team, you always find out who are the lazy persons and who is not a match. Sooner or later, you, you realize anyway. But you also judge by results and achieved goals and not by the time spent in the office, right? Like in sports. When you are a go-getter, your job is to shoot goals. When you defend, your job is to defend. And this is very well measurable, like in football. Analytics is important. And yes, we, or I, believe in MBOs. Although when you Google, I just shortly I Googled that and it, it's like management trends and MBO just has disappeared. But um, probably it's not cool to say that you do MBOs, but I know that a lot of 
Silicon Valley companies are fully MBOs driven. So this is why I got my, you know, the, got this inspiration and, and then we also tried it. And I think we all now are more or less convinced that MBO is a good approach. Next to other things, of course. And now let's move on to the other topic. World Web Forum, you have done an incredible job as the World Web Forum team. While we at Elite Experts Conferences organize small premium conferences in the technical area, you're doing a huge premium event for about 1,500 people. And you managed to create an immense atmosphere despite the size. It is an unbelievably great life experience. And you started small 16 years ago. At the first event, which wasn't even called that way back then, you were only 15 people. It was a group of Atlassian software users who were curious about how they could be at the forefront of the upcoming changes in the industry driven by digital transformation. Now, your community reaches across the globe. With deep executive networks within Silicon Valley, the European tech ecosystem, and a growing representation of emerging leaders from India and Southeast Asia. I must honestly say that I truly admire your work. What was your approach? What was your secret? Was there a combination of vision, conviction, hard work, and that certain bit of luck or something completely different? I mean, this was this is a good example for what we have discussed right before concerning the, the vision or the mission. There was no vision or mission. It was like that at last and realized in the, in the beginning, you know, in the zero years, like 2004, that the market is growing much faster in the States than in Europe. And then they su suggested in 2006, let's do like, a, like a, a user group, like they do for Java. Let's do an Atlassian user group. And then we did that. And we attracted 15 people. And that was fun. It was with beer and pizza and, and, and like that and music. And then they said, let's do that again. And then one year later, we did it again, and we had 30 people. And then someday, Atlassian came and said, you know what? A user group has to be organized by the user and not by the one that implements the solution. Do you know clients that would like to take over the user group? <laughs> so, and then we said, oh, no. And then, okay. Then, yeah, we tried. So we ended up having partnerships, sponsors. And then it became complicated and then we were not allowed to use Atlassian user group anymore. So we said, let's find our own name. Okay. And we were never talking about a mission or a vision till then. And then now we talk about six years later. And in 2013, we just decided, you know what? This has become so big, like, I don't know, 300 people. We, we felt that it's growing. Then we started to proactively establish a strategy development process inclusive like vision and missions but as you can go back on our websites or go back time you see that this vision changed a lot first it was just for switzerland then we attracted international people when you build something like that it's crucial who, who you can win for this team it's it's uh, probably it's like in show business things have to happen right at this point okay it, it takes place right then and Everything is so focused to this point and this generates so much of pressure in the team and all over. It's special. And under this pressure, a lot of things are created. Without this pressure, that would never, never happen. So uh, to me, it always is also a little bit like a, a therapy for the whole team to go through that procedure to the event. We're doing this since 2006 and 
you know, under these circumstances with the team, under this pressure, every year things happen and get created. And we finally ended up where we are today. And the journey goes on. I mean, we're very curious how the event will end up as in reality in January 22. It will be not the same than it used to be. It will be in another location. It will be like everything will be recreated. It has to be created new. Do you have anything more to announce today? I mean, more than you already announced in January this year? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's not because I don't want to. It's just because we're not there yet. We're fully focused on the online to build this uh, online platform that we announced, by the way. We announced that in January. We started working, you know, with this company in Palo Alto in April um, 2019. Yeah, and since then we, we're focusing on that. And now about networking itself. Just this year in January, when you entered the stage for your opening speech as host of the World Web Forum, the moderator said, among other things, it's the man who has thousands of friends. With a constantly growing network, how do you keep track of it all? How do you shape relationship management with your premium contacts? And how do you define sustainability in business relationships? Quite natural. It happens. There's no strategy or something. It's interest-driven. It's emotion-driven. Probably, which is like, when you are 20 years in the game, you know more people than somebody that is 10 years in the game or three years in the game. Probably this is the, this is just a matter of fact. This is just like physics. It just happens. It's very simple. I consider you to be not easily to be surprised and probably even not easily to be shocked. And in a certain way, you even promote the image that World Web Forum is a punk rock version of World Economic Forum. Were there nevertheless moments which surprised even you? I mean, oh, all the time, positively and negatively. You know, probably it's, we did so many mistakes in the company. We I personally, I did so many mistakes in my life. This definitely, I learned the hard way that I'm not on top of the things. Okay. So probably that helps, uh, you know, in general, if you, this famous sentence, I know that I don't know, but you know that you also just, when you learn this the hard way that you don't know, because so many times you think, you know, or we thought, you know, that's, that's the plan and that will become true. And it never did Yeah. Then theoretically, when you live this fully in the full mindful way, then you're not surprised. You have a very grounded self-reflection. And now we come to the topic leadership. The topic of modern leadership, different leadership styles and empathy are always key topics for you and also for the World Web Forum community. Actually, almost understandable if you bring together such an immense amount of leaders. How is your own leadership style? especially in the light of the past 20 years. I'm born in 1970. The typical Swiss or European, to me, European leadership role model was baby boomer, white, male, and more senior kind of leaders. And of course, they were conservative. That's the way I grew up. I, for instance, I also was a Fuchsmajor in a fraternity in high school. So I have this side in me because that was the time. But in parallel, you know, the first day I went to, to the high school, I was sitting to a guy, a nerd. And the first thing he told me was like, he didn't even say hello. He just said like, Commodore is not good. Apple is the real stuff. So, and then 
every day he told me some stories about Apple and that was very valuable to me because back then there was no internet, no mobile phones. So it was very hard to get these informations, especially for a, a company like Apple in San Francisco that basically did not exist in the reality of, of uh, Europe back then. And that to me from scratch felt very good. So all of what I have heard about Steve Jobs to me felt very positive. Whereas then I realized that basically this baby boomer, old school conservative style of leadership that we still live in all of Europe, simply spoken, still, I realized that this does not feel as good as the, these stories, he, you know, that this nerd was telling me. And, you know, there was the start when I started mirroring these two kind of, of leaderships. And yeah, it took, of course, decades till I, or we then realized, you know, the cultural background you are growing up, how strong this, this element is in, in terms of leadership. Or in other terms, it's, it's very hard to having a role model and just copy this kind of leadership into wherever you are. That definitely does not work out. So I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Maybe there is no perfect end result when it comes to leadership. Having so many great leaders around you, it's probably not easy to answer, but do you have a role model when it comes to business and self-development? Was somebody even a mentor for you? Yes, I do have coaches and mentors. Often they are not like officially defined in a relationship as this, but I see them personally as, as mentors and coaches. I have a lot of role models and these role models change over time. I like that. I, I do have this, yes. I have different role models for different situations. And they come from sports, they come from music, they come, of course, out of business. And yes, of course, Elon is a role model to me. Yes, of course, Steve Jobs is a role model. But as you can guess, like for everybody, this is a role model. Okay, so you need other role models. Not everybody is a role model. So not like these superstars. Okay, so that's why it changes all the time. Elon was a role model, you know. Because I also have links into the uh, automotive market. And I saw the very first Tesla that was based on the Lotus. I saw that. So I, I was, you know, I was very attracted by this guy around, you know, that he tries this. And then, you know, there was the SpaceX and, and all, all that stuff. Then it, it was more like these person like that. When they become the superstars, they probably are not as good as a role model anymore. I think you can get a lot of inspiration. It's just also in the little things yeah is that a bit like taking from everyone what seems suitable and useful for you yeah and also when you can also a little bit like discover those role models or uh, discover those mentors or coaches and you come oh today i decided that cristiano ronaldo becomes a role model for me this is a little bit like not very inspiring i loved cristiano ronaldo when he was came into the game i, I think it was was like at the european championship in in portugal in the end, but they brought him in and he was like the super young player and the whole game just changed. I can remember this very well. I was totally fan of this, this young boy. You know, he was so energetic. He was so, so focused on being successful. I was very inspired by it back then. Fabian, what would you have advised young Fabian from the past, for example, from the time of your university days? Not much, probably nothing. It's a little bit like, well, what do you tell your kids, right? I'm not sure if my experience really can help then my kids. 
or in other terms, can help myself when I was young. Just do it. Try it. Fabian, could you maybe share with us your motto or a guiding statement that motivates you? This is something that I learned from Steve Jobs early on. He once said, uh, every morning you look into the mirror and ask yourself if you like what you do. If not, change it immediately. But this is also a good advice for leading a company because when you realize that something that you have done and you have, you know, all the dispositions and everything has been set and has been established and the team is established and budget is running, money is coming in and so on. And you realize that if you could go back, you would do different. Every time we realize that, Basically, out of the meeting, we changed. We didn't wait. Whatever it took. There's no reason to go on with something that you realize if you could go back, you would, you, would, you would do it differently. Why should you go on like that? Thank you, Fabian, for being our guest on the Elite Experts Conferences podcast today. It was exciting to listen to you and to follow your development with BCom and with World Web Forum. Your persistence in handling difficulties no matter what their nature, is really inspiring. I wish you all the best for the next steps. Thank you very much, uh, Ludmilla, for your time and for this uh, conversation. And I enjoyed a lot yeah, having this discussion and thinking about these uh, interesting questions. Cheers to the next generation. There are many ways to achieve a more sustainable future. There are many companies and innovative leaders who choose and actively go very different ways. Let's just not forget one thing. No matter how different the ways are, the big goal is one and the same. See you very soon in the next episode.